Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Platform Enterprise, the show that platforms brilliance from all around the world. I'm your host, Rachel Donald, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm a writer and a journalist. You can find my work over at www.platformenterprise.com and subscribe to get my newsletter and this podcast delivered straight to your inbox every week. On this week's show is poet and artist Alice Frecknell, whose poetry collection will be released with Outspoken Press later this year. Alice and I had a beautiful conversation about artistry, poetry, literature and creating, and it was simply magical. (laughs) It's the kind of conversation where you make yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and sit back and ease into it. I have no doubt you will absolutely love it. So before you go, please give the show a five-star rating and leave a review to let us know what you think. Also, if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify or wherever, you can actually go and watch this episode over on Satellite, a new and fantastic social network. You can find the video link at www.platformenterprise.com. All right, everyone, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Alice, thank you very much for joining me today. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm laughing for anyone listening because we did start this as a joint interview, but whatever platform we're working on today does not want to go for it with us. And to be honest, both you and Joelle were so interesting from the off that it became pretty clear that actually I want to speak to you both individually and get as much out of you as I can. So Alice, please tell me about your career and your work as as an artist and as a performer and a poet. Yeah, um, well, it feels, it feels weird still, I think, to, to use that word career because I still in so many ways <laughs> feel like such a baby. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm a, I'm a poet, I'm a short fiction writer, and uh, I'm a fine artist uh, as well. Um, and I'm about to, well, I'm currently working on my uh, first collection of poetry, which is coming out later this year with Outspoken Press, um, and is edited uh, by the wonderful Joelle Taylor, um, who is um, the editor there for, for the year. Mm. Uh, so that's really exciting and that's kind of taking all my all my focus at, at the moment so yeah that's what I'm working on wow but we we spoke just before obviously um in our previous interview of all the five <laughs> minutes and you <laughs> you talked about how you started on the page and then you came to the stage with slam and now you're returning to the page can you talk a little bit about that mm. journey and maybe how it's um impacted your work at each stage yeah so so slam is actually like quite a particular thing and and I've actually never done slam as a as its kind of own thing um but I ventured uh more into spoken word um for for a time so yeah I I started out on the page I started out quite uh traditionally I guess you could say um kind of studied writing and studied literature and really kind of like found that I loved poetry Mm. through that and I loved writing short stories as well and kind of telling stories um and kind of playing with language in that way um and then I moved to London um sort of once I'd finished studying and kind of found that here there was this big spoken word scene which kind of hadn't really reached uh kind of where in the country I'd been before um in the same way at the time and I was just coming up to kind of going to be 25 and a lot of writing development schemes um, are for kind of an 18 to 25 bracket mm. um, kind of free development schemes. And there was one that I came across um, at the Roundhouse in Camden, uh, which they still run. It's a brilliant scheme uh, called the Poetry Collective. And it was kind of like the last year I could apply for mm. it uh, before I was too old. <laughs> so I was like, well, it's now or never. Uh, so I kind of like quickly applied and and um, ended up doing that, which was a year long program. Uh, and you sort of have two two course tutors throughout it. And it's and the, when I was there, it's different now, but um, it was Debris Stevenson and Bogdan Piaseski, who are brilliant, brilliant writers and performers. Um, and yeah, and that's very much um, kind of around developing your writing, but very much around spoken word and and writing to be 
spoken to an audience mm. from a stage um so that was that was kind of really new to me and and a different way of writing and a different way of thinking about writing as well um so my writing i think changed quite a lot during that time and i loved it and it was so much fun and i met so many amazing writers uh who were similar age to me and similar stage kind of to me as well and many of whom i still you know work with or in, in touch with today so that was incredible um but there was always something kind of i think about spoken word that just didn't quite feel feel like me mm. um i'm like a real introvert and <laughs> there's something very intimidating actually about getting up on a stage mm. as, you know as much as there are also things i love about it um and so i kind of felt like my writing was sort of going slightly too far in a direction that didn't really feel like my voice mm -hmm. um and then the the years from like sort of since that i think i kind of started to bring back a bit more of kind of the page uh, idea and the page craft that I think I'd studied beforehand and sort of realizing that these two things could marry and could exist uh, in a way and that it didn't have to be kind of like really far in one direction. Mm. Um, and that actually, I could have a voice that could belong on the stage, but also could be read. And that's, that was fine. And that was okay. <laughs> so mm. yeah, that was kind of my slightly convoluted um, journey of writing I think. What do you think are um, some of the main characteristic differences between poetry that's written for the page and poetry that's written for the stage? I think um, a key thing really is that when you are listening to poetry on a stage or delivering poetry on a stage it has to land like pretty much immediately because people aren't sitting with the text in front of them necessarily or reading, you know, you've, you've literally got your three minutes or your five minutes to deliver the poem and they're going to hear it that once. And mm. so I think there's often uh, a bit more immediacy, I guess, in the language mm -hmm. and um, yeah, you're, you're probably less likely to kind of, I don't know, go off on kind of big sort of, flourishy tangents um, <laughs> because you'll probably lose your audience um, mm. and also in terms of form I guess like many many nights many open mics are kind of dictated also by time so you've often got like a three minute slot or a five minute slot so often um, pieces are kind of written into those times as well mm. so you, you're unlikely to get up with a kind of 15 minute you know <laughs> 10 page long mm. long poem um, yeah. So it's the the spoken word poem is is really written with the the audience in mind and with the structure of the the ecosystem of of the stage in mind. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I I am not in any way like an authority on it at all. Like, I don't I don't really consider myself to be a spoken word mm. poet in that way. Like, I don't feel I have the vast experience mm. of it um, in terms of my own writing. Um, but I have been to a lot of spoken word nights and I've worked for spoken word organizations. Um, so I've been around it a lot. Mm. And and yeah, there is a, an element of of writing for the form and yeah, writing for the audience because it's a it's a performance in, in the same way that you know, I guess any any performance yeah. art that you do you make it for the art but you also do consider the audience that's an element of of the craft i guess and an yeah. element of the form you've chosen yeah definitely there's an um there's something about like as you say the immediacy of building that relationship like and how you choose to deliver that relationship when it's something on the stage you know whether it's dance or spoken word or mm. a play whereas poetry on the page it to me at least um you can sit with it the the words are allowed mm. to kind of deliver themselves to you as you return to read it time and time and time again to to, to get more from it or to get something different from it the it's much more of a kind of 
flirtatious relationship as opposed to consummate relationship (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I think that's true um yeah and things things on the page people do return to again and again and and often um find something within the text that perhaps they've never noticed before like and it changes I think the relationship with a a text uh changes as you change as a reader as well and that's you're at different Mm. stages of your life and have different experiences you might read something in that text that actually previously wouldn't have occurred to you or wouldn't have jumped out at you um which I love I think that's you know one of the kind of magical things about uh literature really Mm. um but I guess there are elements as well to sort of on the stage that you know those those works often do continue evolving and actually like part of the performance I guess is almost a another layer of editing as well Mm. um and often yeah I remember when I like often if I've read stuff um I quite often actually like read from a page now but I used to do a lot more kind of memorizing my work and, and performing it that way. And I'd sometimes go back to like the page text and realize that I cut whole chunks or like yeah. changed, <laughs> changed lines around yeah. and like completely sort of not really realized. Um, yeah. So I guess it does continue to evolve. But I think that's the great thing about being a performer is you, you get to keep your relationship with your, your piece. Whereas, you know, you put it in a book, like, and you send that book to press, that's it. it it's like kicking it out of the nest, you know, like it's, yeah. it's on its own now. It's got to go and build those bridges itself. And it's it's going to be whatever it wants to be for, for anyone else. I'm really thinking of um, Heidegger's essay here, the, the origin of the work of art um, and how we spoke about art as this like, this thing in and of itself, this being in and of itself that communicates its own message that's in communion with, with whoever comes to see it. And that's what differentiates mm. it from, from an object. And so there's, yeah, there's a really, really interesting distinction there between which relationships are built and which are um, allowed to continue evolving on, you know, the stage and the page where the poet gets to keep mm. more, yeah, with him. And yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I think it can also I think that can also be quite like a an uncomfortable thing or like a something that you sort of have to let go of to an extent the fact that yeah you put it out into the world and and people are going to interpret it how they want mm. and you oh you don't you don't really have any control over that mm. and so you kind of have to I'm thinking at the moment like when I'm I'm writing my collection and editing my collection and there are moments where you sort of have to really steer your brain away from acknowledging that there's that it's going to be published (laughs) because Mm. because otherwise you sort of end up in this kind of like oh but what if people what if people think this and how will they interpret this and and you know you can kind of get overwhelmed I think and and ultimately yeah you you put it out there and people are going to make all sorts of assumptions about what it means (laughs) And I'm, I've been really lucky, you know, to work with, you know, on my book, I'm working with amazing people like Joelle is fantastic. Um, you know, everyone outspoken is, is so brilliant and, and really, uh, warm and always up to, <laughs> to chat. And I'm also working with, um, the brilliant Caroline Bird as my mentor. And that's one of the things kind of, I think we've spoken about so much and she's just like, you, you have to create as if no one's ever going to see it because mm. that's the only way you can kind of be true to what you actually want to write because the second you think someone's going to read it um you you start to hide things i think mm. and and that's not you know you don't yeah <laughs> caroline gave me a get out which was like you don't have to put it in the book but you have <laughs> to write it <laughs> And that's the thing, it's like you never have to put that thing into the world. But mm. in certainly in that first draft, I think you have to take off as many barriers as, as you can. And then through the editing and, and everything else, that's kind of where you sort of hone it, I guess. Definitely. And I think um, poetry is one of those things where you can feel if the poet is not being honest. You can feel if that poetry mm. has a veneer for publishing 
you know like <laughs> when you look yeah. at and I always I always 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 go back to to Plath and Hughes you know and you look at the stuff they were putting out as poet laureates yeah. you know about their abusive relationship and her about her father and it's like that was in you know the 60s and the 70s like mm. they were doing it then we we need to be doing it now and I think it's a yeah. very interesting form poetry because it does allow for that honesty and brutality and yet it's not the same as like writing a memoir you know there's still that mm. it, it still allows for that distance it still allows for that that person again to go into communion with the poet and take from it maybe their own story rather than just being like okay this is my story does that make sense yeah yeah I think that does make sense um I think that yeah I mean that's why I think that poetry kind of speaks to so many people mm. it's because it sort of I guess draws out um the emotional more um mm. like you know when a poem really works you, you feel the poem um yeah. and, <laughs> and I think that's that's the bit isn't it that's kind of like the language I guess that 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 means it could be applicable to anyone um mm. And we do have this thing with poetry where we sort of we assume we assume the poem is the poet and we assume that mm. the I in the poem is the poet and and that's something for for ages that I think I really struggle with um when I was writing be like but well, everyone's gonna think it's about me mm. <laughs> and you kind of I think I realized over the years it's like well even if I'm making something up and I often do like I often write within quite a surreal world within mm. my poetry um which I think was kind of for me made that easier um but I kind of yeah I came to realize that it's like but I could make up something completely fictitious but I've still written those words and therefore on some level it is about me and on some level it's about what I find intriguing about mm -hmm. those relationships and that scenario I've created so yeah I sort of just had to let that go a bit and kind of go well I know what it is about and that's fine <laughs> yeah so yeah and other people can take whatever they want from it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. before we go into I'm, I'm really keen to obviously get to know as much about your collection as as is allowed at this time um <laughs> but I I want to know more about um how I mean how you discovered poetry how you got into poetry and started writing it because I mean writing poetry is, is something you know it takes it's like carrying boulders up a hill sometimes it can flow but like the emotional <sighs> you know because I, I used to write a little bit here and there and it's it's a hell of an art form um and then also because you are also a visual artist and you also write short stories how you choose each form for whatever message you want to portray because I'm a one-trick pony on you know pen and paper but like people like you I'm like oh how do you know you know it's <laughs> <Quite a deep>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, um so how, how did I get into writing poetry yeah start there <laughs> start, start with the easy one <laughs> um kind of yeah sort of gradually and not yeah it was definitely a gradual thing so I I think I've kind of always written I've always loved uh words and I've always loved reading and I used to you know kind of as a teenager write sort of terrible kind of heartbreak poetry in the back mm. of a notebook and you know all of that sort of thing but I think I never really um kind of realized it was potentially an option I guess mm. and then I was I was always going to study fine art that's kind of what I was going to do and I sort of took a left-hand turn uh, literally just before going to university and I kind of applied to do uh, fine art and I'd applied to go and study painting and, and I suddenly kind of a few months before the summer sort of went oh I don't I don't think I want to do this um, not because I didn't loved the art but I think at the time I felt worried that something about going and studying it at university for three years was sort of going to make me not enjoy it so much mm, okay um, yeah. which is a is a kind of decision I, I often kind of 
think back on and go like why did I do that and what was the reasoning I think a lot of it was probably just that I was scared and you know it was kind of this big intimidating world and I didn't know if I was good enough at it Mm. and but anyway for whatever reason I decided to take some time out and and didn't do it and and I ended up and I was like well the other thing I've always loved and the other thing I would want to study is is literature Mm. I started to apply to study uh, English literature at university and I was at an open day um, in Hull which is where I went in the end Um, and the course I was actually the course I thought I was going to go and do was uh, English and philosophy Mm -hmm. and then I was in this big lecture hall and the head of creative writing got up and started talking about the course and talking about all these writers and and I was just sitting there and like oh that's what I want to do (laughs) like that sounds great um so I literally like that day went and changed my my course um and so I went and I ended up studying English and creative writing and kind of we studied all sorts of kinds of writing, life writing and uh, creative nonfiction and poetry and children's literature. And and the poetry just sort of fitted for me. I think it just kind of was something I, I felt made sense to me. And yeah, I kind of just carried on from there, really. Mm. Right. Okay. I love that. <laughs> sort of by accident. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But what, a, what an amazing yeah. thing, like, because I don't know about you, but, you know, you hear lots of stories about people, you know, ah, I was six months old when I figured out that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And it's extremely intimidating and it always makes yeah. me feel guilty. Um, So it's a really lovely story that is it's, it's so real. You know, it, it happens a lot like that for people. You stumble across it. Mm. And then what differentiates is, is, you know, the action. Do you choose? Do you just go with it? So you went and changed your course after like one talk from one pro- I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah took, took a punt on that. And uh, very grateful I did. Yeah. I think it's one of those things like often, I don't remember at school kind of ever feeling like it was presented as an as an option mm. um, or even doing that much writing kind of within our English uh, kind of literature courses and stuff like that it just always felt like a bit of a like oh and now have a go at this Mm. um so yeah I think I just never really kind of realized that maybe there there could be more and I could Mm. do it Mm. um yeah so how was that then to and this is for all fellow literature geeks listening (laughs) because I I also studied literature at university and I pretty much hated it I'm not gonna lie um, <laughs> and we had uh I think I believe I believe from I had a couple of friends who were like mega into you know their passion which was the correct attitude to have at university um and were very disappointed because they'd gone because there was also this creative writing course that was meant to be available um from I don't know our second year onwards and then it was only like a three-month block in our fourth year I went to university in Scotland and everybody was extremely pissed off and that was I mean I did it and it was like you know it's just like bloke being like yeah write a poem you know (laughs) and read it out I I think it was uh look into your bag and pick something and write about it and I was like are you joking how is this this is meant to be like master's level stuff. Like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, thank God this is free. <laughs> so I'd really love to know. <laughs> I'd really love to know what like a, an actual th- genuine three-year education in creative writing looks like. Can you tell me like a little bit about it? Yeah, I mean, God, I feel like I'm like I'm going to my mind back now. But um, I mean, I I did. Re- I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed because I did a split course so I studied uh literature alongside it mm. and and I think for me that that was great and it was at the time creative writing courses in this country were still quite new mm. um like not that not everywhere offered them and often you could only do it as a as a part um split course so yeah it, but I just 
Yeah, I mean, it was lots of kind of, um, I don't remember, it's interesting now having kind of like come out the other side and now I, you know, do a lot of workshops and I, I facilitate workshops as well. And I don't remember, and maybe this is just my memory, which is, can be quite appalling, but <laughs> like, I don't remember kind of doing like creative exercises in quite the way, like within our classes. I think we did a lot more of like, reading and studying mm. of writers and then kind of writing away from class and then we would bring stuff in for discussion during seminars mm. and and sort of pick it apart and be like oh I don't you know sort of feedback on each other's work and and kind of workshop it in that way mm. um which you know like is is one way of doing it and I wonder if that's I don't know how much of that is a kind of academia setting approach I, I don't know and I'm sure it's different like wherever you study as well well um, I don't know I think it feeds into the prevailing myth that um either you're born talented or you're not you know mm. like yeah if you can paint then great then you know essentially all you need to do is practice and have somebody maybe guide you a bit but like nobody can teach you to paint nobody can teach you to write and it's nonsense. Yeah, um, interesting. Uh, I, yeah. Having said that, I genuinely cannot paint or draw. <laughs> but I do, I genuinely believe that everybody has creative ability and creative talent. Um, and I think it's a really, really dangerous um, myth to sell to young people that you, you can't learn any real techniques. You know, you have to kind of have the mm. thing, capital T, capital T, um, or it's game over for you and that you know doing it like that writing outside and then coming in and critiquing essentially as a group rather than creative exercises sort of plays into that I think what kind of exercises do you do in your workshops all sorts of things I think um in a workshop often I think what you want to do is just like generate loads of material mm. um I never kind of go into a workshop as a facilitator or as a writer kind of expecting to come out with a, a finished thing or or even a thing um but it's kind of I don't know it's a kind of a bit like exercising the muscle I guess so I do lots of kind of like looking at it is I guess it's not that dissimilar in terms of like looking at examples of work and kind of going well what have they done in this poem like what's what's interesting about it like is there a is there a form that they've lent into is there a kind of play of language they've lent into and then going well what if we did that or what if we took mm. the, the theme and applied it to something in our own work and like had a go at that um they mm. do a lot of free writing as well which is just writing without stopping and writing without censoring um to try and get beyond the kind of like conscious uh, brain um, into kind of the thing yeah so sort I've of get past that conscious brain which is often the bit that a isn't that interesting or like blocks <laughs> you the bit that's mm -hmm. kind of going this isn't about anything or this isn't any good or mm. you know I don't have anything to write about um, so sort of forcing yourself to just write and mm -hmm. to keep writing usually eventually something will will come through mm. um even if it's like a line just one line that then goes on to kind of spark something else it's funny what is it that they say that like um the amateur uh writes when they're inspired and the professional just writes every damn day <laughs> like you just yeah. have to keep going keep going until you find something <laughs> yeah I think there's this myth though of like when I, I remember kind of yeah being like oh so-and-so you know writes every day and so-and-so's practices get up at 5 a.m and sit at their desk and they write and I'm just like oh my god but in my head they were writing like finished chapters of published novels mm. or like do you know what I mean and now mm -hmm. I'm just like I don't think that's true yeah. I think they were probably just a lot of the times scrawling rubbish that probably never ended up anywhere but it but it unlocked something for them Definitely. to then write the stuff that, exactly. that they got to. But, yeah. Because I mean editing, oh editing's such a joy, isn't it? 
like you have a big chunk of a yeah big chunk of a thousand (laughs) words like oh let's make this good getting those thousand (laughs) words down oh my god kill me (laughs) it's so true so true yeah I have to I have to sorry I have to be really mindful of like not um not using editing to kind of like procrastinate from writing <laughs> new, new stuff because I'll be like oh this is easier like yeah and and I have to, and I'm conscious of that with with visual art as well it's like I have to be really careful about not because sometimes I'm like drawing a face is 100% easier than writing a poem so I'm gonna just like draw this face um <laughs> and I'm not I'm not sure that's true but it's definitely like a different bit of my brain so I have to yeah be be quite strict with myself sometimes <laughs> I definitely understand that it's amazing what kind of things that turn out to be exactly as you say procrastination that you tell yourself yeah. is like completely viable necessary work yeah I need to reorder these line breaks for the 10th time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right this minute <laughs> tell me actually because one of my pals um, is an artist and he <laughs> he always says, you know, like um, the difference between writers and like painters is that p- painters can enjoy like the work, the action of painting. Whereas writers, you know, it's just it's like unless you're in some once in a lifetime flow, it's quite difficult to wrestle with words. They tend to have a life of their own um as a visual artist and also a poet what do you think about that statement do you find one form easier than another um I think that's a really interesting statement I'm I'm not sure I fully agree with like yeah it is hard to wrestle with words and it certainly does feel like wrestling a lot of the time (laughs) but there's also like there's something really fun and joyful about that I think and there's a kind of that when you hit that moment where where it does feel like this is just you know kind of flowing now and this is exciting and I can see the potential like that's a real buzz um so yeah like it's not easy at all and it is yeah sometimes sometimes it's horrible and sometimes it's really tough or like really confronting and but oh yeah visual arts an interesting one I remember my grandmother once saying to me like oh it must be so relaxing to to sit and paint and I was like no (laughs) nothing relaxing about this it's just really stressful until finally it's it's okay Mm. (laughs) and kind of having that whereas I think yeah it's similar in terms of like you start I've been trying to think about this a lot recently about kind of the differences between the two art forms and, and the similarities for me and often I think the start is is quite similar and it and it involves a lot of kind of fannying about with a with a blank page that I can't get started with um mm. for a long time like I put off starting um both art forms and then at one point I'll sit down and I'll go and then it's this kind of yeah sort of game of like oh I'll move this and I'll put this down or like and I'll and I'll play with the tones and I'll and then you get to a point and you think, okay, I think, it, I think it's done. I think it's done. And then I walk away. And then a few days later, a few weeks later, I usually go back and kind of see it again. So I think my process is actually quite similar, but there definitely is a different, I think there's, there's a different kind of um, escapism, I think maybe with, visual art for me um that is yeah like I I can sit for hours and and draw a face and and sometimes that can be quite a therapeutic thing um but it doesn't feel and I can sit for hours and write and that can be a therapeutic thing but the kind of cathartic feeling is quite different I think Mm. Um, it's sort of a, a a gentler thing maybe with mm. with the visual art it's interesting <laughs> um, yeah I'm sort of thinking thinking this through as I talk so. yeah, <laughs> yeah but and yeah in terms of process it's quite similar I think actually that is I mean I guess I, I, I suppose it makes sense but it is still very very interesting 
because um, at the end of the day you're the artist behind both forms so you know why would the process mm. not be similar but still when you when you're writing a poem do you see um do, like do you have images in your head that you know could possibly translate into into visual art like do they cross over in the creative process yeah I think they probably do um like actually crossing them over is something I've not done a lot of um but in terms of I think how I see things um and make sense of things I think they definitely do like imagery for me in my writing is is key mm. and kind of um creating uh emotion I guess and creating emotional response through imagery um and and color mm. is is certainly like something that I focus on like quite often I think when I'm writing quite often it's the image that that I start with or mm. it's the image that kind of I find like in the process and then and then I go from there um mm. and and I have like sometimes I kind of um I don't know if you kind of experience that thing of like you sort of want to write something and you can't quite can't quite get to it yet and the words are just it's all a bit of a jumble in inside your head and oh yeah and sometimes that's the moment that like I'll I'll actually just like pick up a sketchbook instead because it's like I don't have the language but I kind of have the emotion that's that's a superpower that I mean you can still do something with that and you can modify it like I always find if um if it really is wrestling like it, it's just not ready I don't understand yeah. whatever it is yet so I'm not going to provide it with the appropriate form and the words like they know it they have a they're like little ants you know they have this little life of their own and like if they're not coming they're not coming um yeah whereas you, you can go in like you can process it and you can work with it and you can develop it it's like a, that's like a life hack or a poetry hack <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> should do that more um <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that wrestling thing is true though. And some I think one thing that I started to do more of is actually just knowing when to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um and not not to like abandon the thing, but knowing that actually like no, you need to let that sit or yeah. you, you can't you can't edit that yet because it's not settled or like actually you just need to go and have a walk outside and let everything kind of shake down in your brain a bit and yeah um not labor it quite so much yeah absolutely absolutely it's uh <laughs> it's wisdom and it's maturity and it's uh <laughs> tough to <laughs> tough to do <laughs> but <laughs> tell me i'm i'm super super interested how do how do you choose like did something come to you and you feel you know this is this is a poem or this is a painting or or this is for the state like how does Hmm. how do you choose the medium how does that communicate itself to you I don't yeah I don't know I don't I don't think I ever really sit down and be like I've got an idea what's it going to be Hmm. it's kind of like oh I've got an idea for a a painting series great or I'm gonna sit down and write and then I find an idea within that within that writing and that becomes a poem I think perhaps that's something that like whether consciously or not I've just not I've kind of kept them quite separate um and there are moments when I do uh cross them over or kind of bring in bits of bits of poetry to kind of like a, a visual idea but yeah I think they just present themselves mm as as what they want to be really like I'm sure there are points in the future where they'll probably will cross over uh more um Mm -hmm. I think also at the moment I kind of tend to paint a lot from photographs and from um quite precise images like it's not it's quite a realist style that I tend to work with most of the time right um and then so yeah maybe that doesn't feel quite as I don't know 
free and open to kind of mm-hmm. getting involved with some poetry I'm not sure <laughs> yeah it's, it's an interesting one to think about like mm, definitely definitely but listen tell me tell me all about your collection uh, I'm really, really keen to know what it's about, how it came. And this must be so exciting for you as well, because it's it's your first one. Like this is and yeah, you know, what does the life of a poet look like? And yeah, let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, really exciting. Um and yeah, I feel like I'm sort of nearing kind of the the home straight a little bit in, oh, in the writing process because my my deadlines are coming up. <laughs> For, for my manuscript so yeah no it's um it's called somewhere something is burning and it's coming out with outspoken press towards the end of the year um and it's it's quite a it's quite a personal collection i guess in terms of like the it's exploring um kind of i guess a lot of my own relationships and my own understanding of relationships um and it looks a lot at kind of solitude and and loneliness in terms of like the themes that come through and and also about kind of I'm quite interested in how um people sort of like take experiences inside them and how those um manifest or or change behaviors and and things like that so um yeah that's kind of what it's what it is it's it's and then, yeah, it's really exciting and it's it's wonderful to be working with with Joelle Taylor and, and Caroline Bird and, and Outspoken Press. Um, and it feels, yeah, I feel really lucky to to, to be having this book. Um, and But it's also been kind of, I think, the strangest time mm. uh, to be to be trying to complete a book <laughs> mm. and I mean, I found out, I think pretty much this time, almost exactly this time last year, I think I found out that it, it had got accepted uh, for publication. And then the world sort of shut down. And yeah. like, it's been an interesting year because I think there was kind of all this sort of talk uh, early on about how, you know, there was all this time and there was this big pressure to kind of like use all this time and be super creative with it. and. Mm. Um, you know, it's a writer's dream to kind of just be able to sit at your desk and, and, and write kind of as much as you like. And actually, I think it was really hard. Mm. Um, and yes, writing is quite as, a, you know, obviously it's a, it's a solitary act a lot of the time. But we need the world and we need to be able to experience the world and we need to be able to get outside our own heads yeah. and go different places. Um and also, you know, we're also surrounded by kind of all this kind of constant um, collective trauma as well. And that's kind of a, a strange experience to kind of try to write through as well. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's been a great year and it's really wonderful to to have this this project to focus on. That's been amazing but also kind of just at moments being like, this is actually like completely unnatural to how mm. we'd usually be, be existing. Um, and I've been really lucky that um, my collection is also supported by Arts Council England. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been really lucky that I've had some supported writing time and, and mentoring and things like that, um, which has been wonderful mm. um, and has really... I think those things in terms of like the life of a writer kind of who you put around you um and how you support that process is actually really important Um, definitely yeah because so much of it is just on you um (laughs) that you kind of it's important to like feel there's a there's a network and there's a support I think Definitely. It can be such an isolating art form. So, you know, there's no exhibition at the end. There's no collaboration. I mean, yes, an editor and thank God they exist. Am I right? Mm. <laughs> but yeah. it's, you know, when you lock yourself away in normally quite a small part of whatever space you have, because you don't need much space, that's 
you know, mm-hmm. the logic. And it, you just stare down the barrel of a pen and <laughs> come to grips with whatever has propelled you to sit down and, and create a book, whether it's a novel yeah. or a collection. You know, it's a hell of a thing. It is a hell of a yeah. thing. And I, I, you know, Joel, uh, who, who is the editor, like, is amazing. And and one thing that I think is really special about what she's doing with with the kind of year of publishing that she's doing at mm. Outspoken is she's created this um, this group of us, yeah. um, this five of us, and and we that in itself feels like a really special thing that mm. you know there are these other writers that are going through the same thing and to like and sort of leaning on each other and celebrating each other and and you know that's really what Joelle's created I think for us which has been through this time like we we've met up on zoom and kind of had sort of three four hour long zoom sessions which I I don't think I've ever spent four hours on zoom (laughs) quite as happily (laughs) as as I do in, in that group um yeah it's it's kind of incredible as a mm. as a thing so that's really really nice yeah hats off to joelle it's been a pleasure getting to know um some of you hopefully all of you got to catch them all um, yeah. <laughs> through through this process of interviewing and especially to to realize more and more how how different you you all are it's not just about you know publishing women poets for a year it's really publishing your individual voices um Mm. and how they obviously complement each other and the the different perspectives that you have to to bring to the world and to the publishing world which is extremely important um I think she's done a fantastic job and I'm I'm so excited for all of your your books to come out and snap them up like they're just going to be brilliant I'm sure thank you yeah (laughs) yeah it's gonna be so exciting to to see like yeah those those kind of like before mine as well coming out and kind of having that moment to celebrate Mm. those those books and those voices it's really yeah really exciting yeah definitely and afterwards um is I mean is this it you know is this the the beginning of of a life of writing collections um yeah okay good (laughs) hopefully yeah I mean among amongst other things you know it's I I love writing and I Mm. I I can't really imagine not having that as as part of what I do um Mm. so yeah definitely I don't I don't think this is going to be it and I certainly hope uh it isn't oh I'm sure there is a beautiful future ahead fingers crossed (laughs) (laughs) tell me Alice I I want to ask, what advice would you give to to young writers, artists, young poets listening to this? Because <laughs> having a collection published, having a year to, to work on it and to write it, I mean, it's it's the dream for for so many of us, <laughs> um, yeah. and it seems just so inaccessible so often. So. And, and it's obviously not there's obviously you know it's community and it's networking and it's just doing and mm-hmm. trying and you know but really what advice would you give to anybody that's maybe at the beginning of their career or even just doing it as a hobby and has found their passion and and wants to take it further I think um just yeah like do it because you love it and and therefore like just you know read as much as you can and, and experiment and and look at those poets you love and and kind of have a go at what it is that you you see in them and and just yeah experiment and play and yeah it is networking but I just I I I hate that word and also like I'm terrible at it I'm I the the idea of networking I find quite terrifying like Mm, yeah um, I think I said at the beginning, like I'm a real introvert. So those kind of words, I think, were always something where I felt I was like, well, I could I can never do it because actually it's it's who you know and it's and you know and I'm not good at that and but it's playing to your strengths and actually I think if the work if the work is good and you love it, it will find a way through. Um, 
because the voice kind of needs needs the space mm. um and ultimately i think that's that's why you do it you do it because because your voice needs a space like something inside you needs a space so yeah and and just give it a go like i think and i so i i mean i'm 32 this year i'm not you know an, an 18 year old like all the schemes aren't open to me and i'm not mm. but it's take your time i think as well and just keep plugging away and and you know if i if i had a pound for every rejected submission i'd be rich but <laughs> the more you do it that you know the the more normal it becomes and that's fine mm. you know what's the worst that can happen so so give it a go i guess great what a lovely message to end on give it a go <laughs> give it a go <laughs> thank you alice now normally at the end I, so I ask um you know is there someone you like to you would like to platform um you already actually you know via our email communication platform joelle who i'm going mm. to speak to because our three-way conversation didn't work out <laughs> um is there somebody else that you would like um or you would suggest that i get on the show Ooh, um oh so many people i mean i really mm. would encourage you just to like yeah work work through our little group of outspoken yeah. poets because um if you can get the whole set <laughs> be amazing so, that would be lovely yeah um <laughs> yeah i would just yeah plug through the outspoken everyone everyone's got lots of really interesting things to say i think <laughs> it's amazing it's it's all been like such different conversations um mm, bet, so far yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's been really really awesome um so happy to take that advice on board i will <laughs> go, go and find y'all <laughs> <laughs> alice this was such a pleasure thank you for your patience oh, for the wonderful. technical difficulties and Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Hello, hello. If you loved that, which I'm sure you did, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to Platform Enterprise over at www.platformenterprise.com. You can find Alice and her incredible work at alicefrecknell.com and be sure to follow her on Twitter too. You might also want to follow Outspoken Press to get their latest updates of the phenomenal female poets that they are representing this year. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast, everyone. I'll see you next week.